choice to get either the wing or the, uh, the the other bits right so you get either to LL either the wing or like the crease the thigh right so yeah okay that's also a pun kind of uh, okay fair enough reference I just don't it's just there are so many things wrong with that film do you think you need to see it again absolutely not <laughs> In a world divided by good, bad, and just plain standard movies, one film must stand alone. You hated The Room, you despised Troll 2, you loved Alien and adored The 400 Blows. This summer comes a new milestone in the what the frack did I just watch category, the wing or the thigh. Beware. Parts of the opening credits of this film may induce seizures. Mono mineral, mono mineral. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Hello. Hi. Hi. We have a guest today. Um, who are you and what are you doing here? Well, uh, doing here, you let me in, but uh, well, I'm Cecile, so I, I went to ACS two years after you guys. Uh, I met you, Jan, quite randomly. Well, not randomly at all, but to me, it was very random. You knew exactly what you were doing. Um, during the Fringe last year, uh, you you came to see the show we were doing with ACS, and then I found you in a park, and I went to, to talk to you, because I just thought you were a regular um, audience member. And, and then you, you just told me you went to ACS. I, I felt like an idiot, but then on top of it, you were French, and I'm French too, so that was, you know, that was a nice coincidence. I loved it. And I would like to apologize to Adam for not choosing the 500 blows. Um, I hope you're not too disappointed. Oh, it was funny because we just recorded yesterday. I was like, oh yeah, we're doing 400 blows. I heard and Jan's like, no, we're not. I'm like, what? I'm like, oh, great. Okay. Well, we'll see what this is. Uh, yeah, this was an experience then. It was more funny because I'm like, am I going to judge this for not being the 400 mm -hmm. blows? Um, That's I think I did, so... Which would be, yeah, very, very different um, oh, ambience. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Um, so we were, <laughs> um, yesterday morning, Adam and Anouk here were, um, Lady Lequis virgins. Now they've seen it. Um, I've recorded the session. Uh, it will not be released, but, um, um, Adam, would, go, you, well, would you like, would you like Adam to do a plot summary? I would love Adam <laughs> to do a plot summary. And then I'll ask um, Cecile to correct or to give her... I tell you what, yeah, I'll go through that, whatever that was last night. And I've, if I can find anything that's worth going out, <laughs> I'll put it out at some point. Maybe it'll come out for episode 100 as a part special thing. Oh, uh, what is this movie about? <laughs> uh, some bloke who writes reviews for all these these French restaurants, like the Michelin, the Michelin star thing puts out a book every year and he's got to review all the restaurants but oh no his son his son doesn't want to be a restaurant reviewer he wants to be a, he wants to be an actor he wants to be a clown but then out of left field 
a man who makes TV dinners or truck stop dinners wants to steal the book so he knows where all the bad restaurants are so he can buy the restaurants and make more money. And then, for some reason, the restaurant critic feels that he has to stop this plan. Am I far off? You're not too far off. You, I think you have the major elements. I think the the only bit that would be missing is that actually the the mean uh, industrial guy wants to buy the good restaurants so he can turn them into crap. Oh right. And that's why the the critic wants to save them because the, the you know cuisine française um, is is being bought bored by people who make industrial food all oh, right okay but apart from that i think everything's there <laughs> right, <okay. laughs> i can hear the enthusiasm oh that yeah had. any anyone wants the wikipedia version too so we are clear mm-hmm. <laughs> charles duchemin is the editor of an internationally known restaurant guide after being appointed to the académie française Duchemin decides to retire as a restaurant critic and trains his son gerard to continue the family business However, Gérard Duchemin is more interested in his true passion, circus, than high cuisine. Soon, however, Charles's plans to retire are complicated by the arrival of Jacques Tricatel, the owner of a company of mass-produced food. Fearing for the future of high cuisine, Charles and his son strive to ruin Tricatel's company in any way they can. This movie is an allegory of the antagonism between USA culture and French culture as it was seen by French people in the 70s. Yeah, pretty uh, good. Yeah. I, when, when Jan asked me to choose a French film, I went for that. I mean, I, I studied uh, cinema in France at university for three years and we talk a lot about avant-garde and and all of those um, Godard and all of those very massive artists that we call them artists in French, even they're not directors anymore, they're artists. And, and, and this has nothing to do with that. This is, uh, I chose that film because Louis de Finesse, who is the main actor who plays the the critique, who, yeah, Jan's shirt on right now is, I would say to me and to a lot of uh, French people, one of the, maybe the biggest uh, comedian we've ever had. He he was impossibly famous and um, and all of his movies were massive uh, box office successes. Everyone would go to see him. So I think to me, that's that influenced a lot why I wanted to be an actress and what type of actress I wanted to be. And I thought there was a really interesting side of the French cinema to discover because it's not really to- spoken about um, outside of France, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I was watching this and I was interested to ask if you think this is kind of a French culturally loved film and if maybe there are um can there 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 isn't a, a bridge between and then maybe the the anger coming from <laughs> Adam and my like so I enjoyed it but I found it very confusing at times. And I remember Adam was like, what was that about? And I kind of jabbered on for ages. And I realized that I didn't really have like a synopsis in my head, like immediately. Yeah. And usually a, f- a film that I liked, I'd be really happy to talk about immediately. But then Jan was talking about how it had these two messages and 
it was more about the experience of a film rather than wanting to immediately analyze it and be like, what did what made this a good film? Rather than you just sitting back and being like, I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Why is that not enough? I see what you mean. I, I, I watched it yesterday again. It had been a long time since I'd seen it. And I realized that the plot is... It never stops. There's always something new happening. And it's more like a series of, of little sketches going together as a... It's a series of events, basically. Um, so so I wouldn't say there's a, a traditional plot. I, I would say, however, that yes, it might be very French in the sense that it's it's very well known and loved in France still today. It's, it's one of the, the big ones. But... It might be a French side, a, a side of French humor that doesn't translate very well. Mm. I, I was watching it yesterday. I was like, yeah, it's all in the face, and and it's jokes, it's it's jokes of of not being up to standards of with things. It's, it might be a humor that's not very well. That that doesn't translate much, and maybe that's why that movie didn't actually export anywhere. Mm-hmm. Is so this is this his most well known? performance because in britain we have a series called carry on which is essentially there's about i don't know how many there were but they went on from like the 60s to the end of the 80s and there's loads and people remember specific ones so i'm curious you're because you and jan agree that this is a great french comedic performer is this the one that's most well known or is this the one that's well known because it had two of the actors together um, I wouldn't say it's the most well, his most well known. I, I was going through his um, his biography yesterday, and I thought that was one of his first, but actually it's one of his last. And mm. it's in seventy six. He dies in eighty three, so he he's quite he's starting to be quite ill at that point mm. in his career. And it's kind of his character is very well formed from like maybe twenty other movies. I mean, he's 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 done one hundred and twenty movies. I think it's it's a lot, but uh, with him as that character, which is him really, um, there's been already twenty solid massive successes that people still remember today. So no, I wouldn't say that's his most famous. Um, I think it's very interesting because of the the actor who plays his son, who also was one of our most famous um, comedians, well, stand up comedians, more Caluches is one of the other pillars of, of French humour, I would say. So that I think it's a really interesting movie to have the both of them in, but it's not his biggest one. I w- what, what would you say, Jan, is his biggest one? I loved La Zizani. Mm. Uh, the big, I don't know, but there, there was a, a series, I don't know how popular it was, about the gendarmes. So basically it was in uh, Saint-Tropez and you've got this little gendarmerie there and this group of... of uh, not policemen, but well, gendarme, <laughs> and they had those weird adventures. That was massively popular, and there, yeah. there, there were seven or eight of those movies, including the gendarme versus the the extraterrestrial, the ETs. Like there were aliens. Well, there were some weird stuff in there, but uh, the ones I love and I remember a lot uh, are uh, so Lelou Acoustis one and La Zizani. Okay, yeah. So, I, there, so he has maybe two massive series of film, the Gendarme, which is about, well, not policemen, but military policemen in the south of France. And he also had a series that was called Fen- Fantomas, Fantomas. And he was, he, so he was trying to catch a thief. 
Was he a policeman again in the actually? Uh, or a PI or some yeah. or some high ranked uh, yeah, exactly. pol- police officer? Yeah, trying to uh, catch a guy with a mask. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that, it wasn't really. I mean, and to be fair, it's an actor that played that role, the one you saw yesterday in that film. Oh, I mean, they saw in that film. That's just who he plays all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was probably, but but actually not that much, a bit less uh, energetic in this one because he was just out of two st- a double stroke, yeah. a heart attack, and he had a medicalized trailer on set. Yeah, and I, I read yesterday that only half the film was covered by insurance because they refused to cover it because it was too risky to have just it. Just in case. Yeah, oh. that's, well, that's mental. Not, yeah, there's a case of when uh, they're making The Hobbit, they couldn't get Christopher Lee to New Zealand to shoot the scenes because he's so old. The, the, the insurance couldn't cover it. Oof. So they had to come over, uh, Peter Jackson, I was, I maybe in Andy Circus actually, maybe in the second unit, Mm-mm. had to come over to like Pinewood and green screen. So every bit of performance from The Hobbit with Christopher Lee is green screened. He's not with any other actor. That's interesting. Um, unless, I don't know, Ian McKellen was there for that day of shooting in Pinewood. But if it's not, it's like, Tennis balls on a stick acting mm. for Christopher Lee because he was about ninety odd yeah. when making it. He didn't. He died quite soon after the Hobbits came out. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that's what um, he. Uh, what was his name? Louis. Louis de Finesse. Louis de Finesse. <laughs> that's a great T-shirt. It killed him in the end, right? Like he had a heart condition, so it kind of. Yeah. So it must have been really bad. Um, and yeah, I mean, they said even on, even on Wikipedia they talk about how. Even in this film, he was much less yeah. than he usually is. And so he's usually much bigger. For research purposes, I probably should have watched a lot more of their films. But I would be interested to see more and see if maybe the humour then translates perhaps, more. Perhaps you get used to it in a way you start expecting it. I mean, does it, does it translate in any way? Because the, the French is quite specific in those movies it's, it's I mean it, we're 40 years back so it's a different kind of French it's a even for us sometimes it's a bit estranged mm. but does the physicality work in any way or is that really a cultural thing uh yes and no I think I just depend I think it just depends on the joke I mean you, obviously you see moments of like say like Benny Hill-esque more in the hospital chasing around you know people falling over like orderlies and stuff like that I mean yes and carry on was like that like it's oh, yeah. big it's mm-hmm. like um, melodramatic almost it'd be interesting because I don't think Jan would get most of Carry On because it's a lot of innuendo so it would be a lot of based how much of the the, the English language you know as well because that was a cheap laugh mm-hmm. I'm starting to get them if I'm focused alright yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 it's, it, ju- it's it, just that I don't necessarily find them funny no of course but yeah. I, I, I get yeah. that so um, Louis Finesse was a force of nature there was um, have you ever heard of a guy I think I talked about him on the podcast a few times a guy Tom Bloom he so there is in those years the 70s 80s and there were a bunch of movies that became cult uh, cult but w- who could be qualified today and even probably at the time as nana mm-hmm. like cheesy and um we had something called les soudoués mm. so basically um there was a guy in there who was playing with cards and being silly and doing stuff and he's a friend he actually started as a magician it's a random chance that he ended up in that movie and the guy is um, like a tr- what I define a true artist. He, he can't really understand old tax stuff, everything that is not related to his art. Mm-mm. So like um, he had, I think, 
he has like pacemaker and sometimes it unplugs so the doctor is like well you probably have to like uh, uh, slow things down yeah no worries and then it, it redoubles uh, on the <laughs> it's just uh, like an electric uh, uh, an electric ba- a battery on, on on stage is just incredible mm-hmm. i thought to to have a little interlude i thought we'd play a game that i came up with uh because i was inspired by the start of this movie so <laughs> what the, the we- very opening shot of this film after the whole credit stuff's happened, is a shot to establish that we're in Paris, which obviously is the Eiffel Tower. Of course. So I'm going to say a city, and I want you to say what you would use as the establishment shot. Cool. All right? Uh, we'll start easy. We'll go, like, uh, New York. Mm, the, the bridge? Yeah, Manhattan, like, over Manhattan, mm. Skyview, oh, something. Yeah. The I'm not, I've never been. That's one of the parts I've never been, so I'm not sure it's there. The, where there is the big uh, sign with a Coca-Cola thing is that there? You mean like in the uh, in Times? No. Uh, oh, it's the like whole on, of Times Square. Yeah. Yeah. Times with Square, the, yeah. The, when they display stuff. I don't yeah. accept Empire yeah, State Building, street. Central Park, yeah, Brooklyn Bridge, Statue of Liberty. Right. Ah, Statue, Statue of Liberty, Liberty is um, a good one. What about uh, Rome? Coliseum, mm-hmm. mm. yeah, yeah, probably. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think that's the easiest one for room. Australia in general. What would you use? Kangaroo. Yeah. Kangaroo. Probably nature. Kangaroo cactuses. I, it's not called like that anymore because they used the Aboriginal name. But Ayers Rock. Yeah, I think it's like Urdu or something like that. It's mm. like U R D something. Mm. Uh, or the Sydney Opera House usually they use. Oh right, you know, you yeah. Throw that on. Sydney, yeah. Of course. Yeah. How about Glasgow? Glasgow, probably Clyde. Those the like the shipping towers that you yeah. use for building the boats, probably. Hydro. Well, the whole or the hydro, with yeah. The kind of with the lights as well. Multicolored yeah. LED thing. Mm-mm. Edinburgh. Edinburgh, you well, ca- well yeah. castle. castle, castle. Well, even train spot and starts on mm. Princess Street with the castle in the background. Scott yeah. Monument, which which is where we actually met. Yeah, just exactly. in yeah. Oh, there's a military woman that coming. Oh, I've seen her before. <laughs> oh, hello. <laughs> yeah, I was in costume. I was in full uh, Russian Red Army costume uh, to go really? eat my lunch <laughs> in the park, as one does. <laughs> actors kind of at some point they're like oh, yeah. well Edinburgh does that as well during the fringe yeah, yeah. nobody cares anymore <laughs> but uh, opposite question I, I get that yeah I, I, I laugh anytime I see an opening shot of Paris with the Eiffel Tower what would you do to symbolise that quickly that you're in Paris without the Eiffel Tower then or the roofs of the buildings because it's so you know these like sort of curved mm-hmm. roofs are okay. so Parisian in my eyes but then I'm looking at like through architecture. Um, <laughs> a guy with c- a beret and a baguette. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, with onions. Well, that happens in Taken, right? With onions. There's like he they get <laughs> off they get off the train. It take get off uh, after coming into Paris and yeah. Taken, and there's like a guy cycling <laughs> with all of that on in the shot. I'm like, really, really. <laughs> Like, what, that, when when does that become racist? I'm not sure the line. <laughs> well, then again, sometimes we actually do that. So, <laughs> yeah. you know. Um, There's also the Arc de Triomphe you would probably use as well. Because it's either that or a shot of... People in a cafe. <laughs> People like, in a cafe, Parisian yeah. Cafes. Yeah, yeah. The, the Louvre maybe, but mm. the, the oh, yeah, pyramid. The pyramid. Yeah. Mm. Um, a few things that I realized, actually, thanks to the subtitles, uh, the play on words with the name of the guy. 
du chemin is mm -hmm. like kind of from from the road du chemin yeah, yeah well actually the 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 there was the when when Tricatel is about to tell uh the the father du chemin that his son is doing circus thing is something like for a guy from the road and uh, there is there is mm -hmm. a kind of a joke that i never got at, until uh, i realized because of the subtitles you know with like du chemin and between brackets uh from the something mm, that is funny yeah to see that yeah you can there are so many levels of play on words in that film that that's also probably a, a, a translation problem. Uh, it, has it been dubbed in any way or no? Uh, it is, yeah. It is dubbed? Yeah, yeah. It is. On the Blu-ray, there are both versions. Wow. But we're doing our best to have, obviously, the original version. Yeah, of course, yeah. The, the trouble was to find subtitles. Like uh, Romane Conti, well, because it's not done professionally, the subtitles. I've not done them, but they were there. Mm -mm. was translated into... Romunas countess or something. Mm. I was like, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. It was a one time Jan was like, well, wait, I just have to say that that is wrong. Sometimes <laughs> are wrong there. Yeah, that's Wasn't there a smiley face at some point? There's a smiley <laughs> smiley emoji. Like, wait a minute, what? When, when they talk, yeah, when they talk about the guy for the first time during the, the opening uh, stuff with a narration. That's amazing. That's one of the sad things about um, subtitles. Like, you don't actually know how good they are and if they actually capture <laughs> what they're saying and there's also like a a cultural historical and maybe yeah. even something that like a french person would immediately understand like the the name of the film it, there's definitely a connection that french people would understand but then as an english person that would be british person yeah, yeah. so as soon as we ended this <laughs> adam was like why the hell the, the wing and the thigh? What what? The what I, was, I, I was like, wait, what, just have just have a leg. No, you want a wing or a thigh for? No, it's what, what choice is a wing or a thigh? <laughs> if somebody goes to me, do you want the wings or the thigh? I'm like, well, the thigh, obviously, because if it's just one chicken, it's two wings. But I prefer wings. I know, so do I. But no, but it's the Sunday question every Sunday when your mom has made a chicken and and you are the one of the lucky ones who gets to choose first. Do you want a wing or a thigh? And that's always the question. Right. And so, yeah, I I I, I hate that translation in English as well because I hear it doesn't work. I hear it just doesn't translate to. But what I love about this movie is the the amount of food there isn't. I mean, the colors the. The, the the different textures how you can be disgusted and 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 you know how how some food looks good this whole scene where he's tasting uh yogurts for kids i i, I had forgotten how colorful and, and absurd those yogurts are i just love all the visuals the colors i feel like i don't know if, if it has inspired other directors afterwards i was watching it yesterday and there's this sequence where they're fleeing the the factory in a red truck and they're being chased by the police in their gray truck and everything is color coded in the street and they bump into each other and it looks exactly like a sequence that Wes Anderson would have directed for mm. Grand Budapest Hotel if he wanted to and I was like this is so funny that in that movie that to me is is just plain popular humor there's actually a lot of color work and, and, and texture work yeah the scene I, I think it's the first scene when he's dressed up as a woman and they've mistake uh, well actually it turns out that he also works for Duchemin but they're basically thinking that this is the guy and it's not and all this stuff and the they bring out all these different foods and like that that color 
color sequence is incredible and also just the fact it's probably sort of making fun a little bit about how french haute cuisine it can be really over the top and like they love their kind of showing you know it's like a it's like a play almost we'll we'll need to ask about inspirations um that the person that we're going to ask when he comes if he comes about there is a scene in here so everything every time you see him in a uniform that's the academy francaise one right and the um the guy who's doing the suit the suit the the tailleur is at one he's like trying to do his work and the rich finesse is like walking away and uh, we ha- we have uh, that kind of same um, joke or situational thing in Anna and the Apocalypse. Oh really? yeah, have you seen that? I haven't seen it yet. I need to see it. Mm-hmm. I, I keep hearing about it all the time. It looks it sounds amazing. It's really good. Yeah, you should go see it when you can. Um, um, but also Charlie Chaplin. That immediately made me think of Charlie Chaplin because yeah. that's basic and Buster Keaton. Like any of those uh, people that like. Um, yeah, I think he 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 was very influenced by those kind of yeah. of, of actors. Definitely, yeah. I I love how I I, th- I was prepared watching it again to be shocked by um, sexist jokes, and I wasn't. I was kind of happily surprised that it it's on the right side of of that um, problematic in movies, even though it's forty years old. We so we were watching it yesterday, and Adam was pulling faces, doing weird stuff. Uh, we were wondering what it was about. So and after forty minutes, it was longer than that. It was about an hour mark because this is a long bloody thing. <laughs> I there was a there's a scene where we first get introduced to the son, where in the background he has like what can only be described as like a racist mannequin that you wouldn't ah. you wouldn't get you couldn't put that in anywhere now, right? And at that point, I'm like, hang on. Every scene I've been in this film, everybody is the same old white man. And then about <laughs> yes. an hour into the film, we're at the, we're at the circus, and we get the first non-white face. I'm like, whoa! Yeah, the, that is true. That is very true. I was like, for a country that... Because I remember the, the what came out after this last year's World Cup about the fact that the majority of the French football team who won are multi-ethnic. I'm like for a film. I'm like in a film in the seventies. It's like there's no, there's no black people in this. Well, but no, but every every single industry is kind of does that. France is a very diverse uh, population, definitely. Uh, and I, I think yeah, the, the our football team is actually the best uh, poster for that because they they are a lot closer to to reality than most of our movies even s- still today. Um, I think we have the same, there's the same problematic in Scotland where you feel like you never, like, like you only meet white people and it's not true. Mm. I, I don't know. I, I, yeah, it's true. I, I never looked at that film with with that that filter on trying to look for diversity and there is none. There is none. I don't think it was that I was looking for diversity. I think the thing that shocked me to it, I'm like everybody, it was the same amount of like everybody is that old, well-off white guy with Mm-mm. no hair that's what i was seeing in every scene i was like this i'm the same i, I was just I was, it was just bizarre i was like oh okay well you we were actually more mostly focused on the guy that was picked yeah it was always one of those guys <laughs> yeah yeah i guess it's a, it's a point as well i i think there's a the criticism of 
I never realized what the last shot means, where they're all sitting at this massive Académie Française table, very rich, old, white men, having this uh, luxury dinner served to them. And he opens up his his starter and finds his watch in it that he's left in the factory of the the terrible industrial guy. And I had never understood as a kid what that meant. I think maybe it's a point as well to have that many... They're, they're criticizing the, the high classes in France in the 70s and it's all white, yeah. old white man. Mm. Yeah, something... Yeah, I also actually realized the, that, that last scene and we see, you see new stuff every time. The huge Tricatel photo in the, in, the, in the factory. <laughs> like, That's also, brilliant. I mean, you like, saw that immediately, like didn't a, you? A James Bond villain. Uh, <laughs> yeah. James Bond. It was a James yeah. Bond layer. He even had the hands together. <laughs> yes. We'd I'd given up by that point, though. I was trying to work out oh. this morning when I gave up when I gave up with this movie because there was definitely a point. I'm like, that's a sh- do you know no, what? It's a, well, as in the sense, I think I had three stages. I had the beginning, like, okay, let's give us a go, right? And then there's the begin. Then there's the phase of like, what the hell's going on? And then there's the phase of like, I'm just here because I need to review this. <laughs> you know, like I wouldn't. I'll be. I don't think I would have finished it if we weren't talking about it. In in that sense, I can't work out where it was. I think. I think when I begin to lose faith is when they start the espionage shit. Like when they start tailing the mole. I'm like, wait, what? This is meant to be. A f- this is meant to be. I thought this was about a father son food relationship, but I don't know. I just I, at that point, I'm like, okay, this is going in a weird place. But <laughs> I think that's when I begin to go. All right, maybe what what is this? Well, I think you made a good point where you have to see it as sketches. And I think I might have enjoyed the film a bit more if I didn't see it as a film. Like there were scenes and if you put them together, they were amazing Mm -hmm. and so clever and so well done. And the color scheme um, and the physicality of the actors and also just like the the dubbed version, I I, I obviously want to see. But what's nice is that it sounds so good in French just because of the the way that uh, French is, it's quite a well-rounded, like in your mouth uh, language. And so the physicality of it is connected to the language. So it, 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 it's, it was nice to see that. So I think I want to watch this film again and see it as separate scenes and you might enjoy that film more uh, we, it will be in berlin <laughs> at the, just like me yeah i'll be delivering when when we do a musical month i'll be away in, uh, <laughs> oh, mo- yeah. morocco again or or something oh no but i think i'm realizing that maybe to introduce anyone to that actor um y- you probably have to start with something much earlier in his career where he's a bit less and apologetic about doing what he does because this movie is so that they're so happy to have i mean he's so free because he's who he is and the movie is going to work when they're doing it they know and they're only paying him to be as big as he possibly can um so i think maybe starting it's a very strange moment in french cinema the way they act it, nobody acts like that anymore mm. uh, it's giant it's big it's it's men having very deep voices and doing that and um, it's really fun to see now for a french person at least but i think it's it's a bubble in time in france where where actors were asked to be like that and maybe 
to go 15 years earlier in his career might be an easier start to that side of French humor, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm, I think that the real thing that annoyed you, Adam, because there there was a show don't tell moment that uh, what was reversed was a tell don't show. We never got to see the cubic eggs and the featherless chickens. <laughs> Oh uh, yes. Well, I didn't like the beginning with the whole like the exposition. I hate, I hate when movies do that. I hate when it's like, oh, this is this, this is the biggest thing in the world, and he's been doing this for fifteen years. I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> I, li- I literally, I've just tuned into this movie. You're not going to convince me about this in your first opening well, scene. Well, that's quite old school. I think. In, yeah, I, agree I think with that. quite a lot of um, older films did that. They had like an introduction, and so that would be. Just showing how young you are. Yeah, it's it's uh, not, clearly the nostalgic factor because I also have a major gripe with exposition. And, yeah. Um, yeah. We we were talking about that nostalgia factor of if you're just coming to a film, you know, in your 20s, 30s, 40s, it, it's tough to not have been brought up with it. And then you see things really differently, not including the whole cultural differences, Mm-mm. which just don't translate which is a shame because and i think because this film uh i read won awards in germany as well and so it, it might even be like a european british thing yeah it's just different that is um, possible i don't know i just well we're all familiar with the 93 7 i just 93 didn't work for me if if then in essence i should be rating this out of 93 out of 90 out of 100 as 100 percent because the seven percent is lost to me because it's a language right it's mm. the words i'm not getting the 93 percent in yeah. this and i don't know why i don't know if it's to do with the fact that i just couldn't get into it and i, I don't know i don't understand i think you I, can't do 93 7 though with every film you have to you that has to be realism you can't do that with carry on films no i just dis- i disagree with that I totally disagree with that because comedy is is its reality is grounded in what it gives you. No, but this is like absurd comedy. But absurd comedy works because they believe in the stakes of what's happening. Like if you believe you're a chair and you're scared somebody's going to sit on you, I'm not going to watch that one. I don't get that ninety three percent because I don't. I'm I'm not a chair. So (laughs) you know what I mean? Mm. Like the state, the 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 performance sells you the ninety three percent. Yeah, no, that, that's I, I, what I mean. I understand what you mean. So I'm going to remind everyone here because it's not been explained what the 93. I think I did it once in like once again years ago. It's that most of the message, so 93% is conveyed through um, stuff that are not language. Language is just 7%. But I will repeat here, and uh, I salute you, Mark Westbrook. Um, Albert Merabian, who is the Iranian professor who devised this thing, denounced it because it's not uh, used uh, how we actually used it in uh, when we learned thing. Mm. It's specifically used for feelings, and there is a whole article about that. Well, but it's it's uh, because <laughs> they 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 are pulling faces all the time here, so you can't really get any. Ma- well, I mean. I mean, well, I'll share something on the 93.7, but it's been denounced by the guy who actually talked if about you, it. If you yeah. created it, it. But if you think in the sense of, if you're talking about lost in translation, you know when some if somebody's telling you off, they don't have to say, I'm telling you off. You know by what they're doing that they're telling you off. So in the same essence here, 
I should get the joke because the joke isn't the actual language, that isn't the language and the words, unless it's like wordplay, which is different. Which is what this film does a lot. That's the problem. Right, okay. Well, yeah, it feels so like tough. It feels like you know what they're, but is the uh, the looks can be deceiving. Like I was, I think there's a cultural thing um, that what you have slapstick, slapsticks, farce. We have that kind of stuff. I was, um, I was. There is something going on right now. The BBC has uh, is starting to air a uh, Les Miserables version. Yes, I, yes, I heard And uh, reading, well, I don't have the article there, but I'll read it at some point, uh, at some time. It's just hilarious. People being disgusted by the fact that there are no songs. Yeah. And I started to read the book here mm -hmm. for once. That's the Pleiad version. Uh, of, it exists. Of the Miserables, <laughs> yes. There was a new edition a few months ago. Mm -hmm. And basically... Well, there are obviously no songs, but it's very nice because it's an account of Victor Hugo is talking about also the time he lives in. Uh, it was written in 1862, whereas the stuff happens in 1815. And the first hundred pages are about the bishop. And it's fascinating stuff that has never been shown on film, except I think with the Leno Ventura version, some parts. Uh, but the the new BBC um, is focusing on some other stuff that's not been done before also, mm -hmm. which is quite nice, like the how Fantine became pregnant from whom and that kind of stuff. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, yeah, that's where I am right now. Well, a lot of people get confused because everyone, a lot of people think Les Mis is, you know, the 1789. Well, yeah. it's not, it's 18, it's the second revolution mm -hmm. or the first. Yeah, it's... As well as, you know... It's about, it's about, it's about the Irish doctors. It's like, no, it's about the implementation after all that went down. Yeah, because it, because they, it's between chopped, two kings. They, they chopped aristocratic heads off and then nothing changed. Yeah. So it's the anger of the fact that we did, we had a revolution. Why did nothing change? Hmm. Um, I wonder if history is repeating itself. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. well, we got rid of something, and now it's 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 no different. And we're wondering what, now we why, did we, why did we do it? So anyway. you see, yeah, this film is quite long, but there are actually scenes you're telling me that are <laughs> actually dragging. The the suitcase mix-up scene was a bit long. Yeah, it, oh, it yeah, doesn't what end. What the fuck is going on there? <laughs> what the it. fuck is that scene? There are some scenes in this. I'm like, what the fuck's going on? What the fuck's going on with the um, the the crane? Why are they? Why do they need to get in a crane to get in a factory? Oh yeah. What is that scene? And then when it opens, he's like just hanging on the sides. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that wouldn't help. You're you're gone. You're dead. It's the uh, other guy. The other guy's hanging on, like shut the door, shut the door. He's just like slightly pressing on the side of the crane box. Uh, th this all made Adam really angry. I don't know why. <laughs> I, don't know why. I, don't know why. I don't know why it made me angry. I, I, just, I don't know. No, but it's it's awesome because I was reading about um no no I was talking with French people over Christmas I think about why the Americans when we have a, f a successful French film, instead of exporting our film and putting subtitles on or dubbing it, the, uh, Ameri there are American versions and, and American studios remake the film yeah. right away in the same year, the same... And we're like, but it was a good film as it was. And I understand better now that it's just... The same with 
Victor Hugo's Les Misérables, maybe that's the same problem. I refused for a very long time to watch any to watch any musical because I was like, you forget that it's a, it's something else. It's not a, a musical. Um, I think there might be a wall and that we are not managing to breach at all between French, the way the French present their culture and the way uh, the Brits and the Americans respond to it, perhaps. Mm. So, so I get it. That anger um, responds to my question: Why did we never export these films? They don't work properly <laughs> here. <laughs> we, I, we talked about that in the last episode, actually, about. Um in, in some in some episode at the beginning of the year because uh, this episode will oh, probably yeah, be out on yeah. in May. So all right, fair enough. Well, we talked in uh, what we do in the shadows about Mm-mm. different versions and why they were done. Because I I remember there was a film I think it was two years ago the Valerian thing right, which is a French comic. Luc Besson. No, yeah. what? No. The, the oh comic yeah. writer. Uh, yeah, the this the I don't know what it is. It had um. Comics, yeah, yeah. Henrianna in it. It was like a, it's, yeah, it's a science fiction thing. That was, it was a French. It was a massive success in France. Like the actual thing was. Well, Luc Bess, the thing is, <laughs> plenty of stuff are financed uh, publicly, and he knew that he had all his money back before the money was out. Luc Besson. All right. Okay. So it was obviously it worked. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, but that's a shame because if um, they'd exported a lot more films, uh, European films, into Britain and America, we might have understood the films more. Well, The Upside Mm. is about to be released, which is a um, a remake of the... (laughs) the, um, Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I can't remember the French title now that I hear it in English. Something like Redoutable, something that sounds like that. Yeah, indeed. Okay, you'll find it. Yeah, I think while Jan looks for that, I think the, re- the the thing that annoyed me about this film is, I know we've mentioned that it's like sketches, but sketches usually serve the plot or the world that you're in. Like if you look at, let's say, Life of Brian, like there are sketches in there that don't serve the overall purpose. Like for example, the whole sketch in while there's like loads of different preachers Mm -hmm. or even the bit when it's the start of the film when jesus is given the ceremony and then they're having an argument at the back because they can't hear it because somebody keeps talking over and it's mistranslated like that's a sketch but it serves the overall narrative and the world to get you into it where in this film any of the like slapstick sketches don't serve the overall plot at all like the bedroom scene like the crane like the car chase. I think I think it does though. It's just a way that again it it just hasn't translated well, and we're trying to overanalyze it. And I think if maybe we, well, maybe not. But if we if we knew more about French cinema, we would understand that there's a certain way of watching certain films from different places. So do you think, I mean, because um, you were talking in in the episode that came out on the 12th, I think, about the 40, the 400 blows. Mm. Is that the type of uh, French cinema you've encountered before, that type of French cinema? Um, I think, I, I don't know if I'm specific with French. I think I've always just kind of looked at European cinema. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's where I'm getting mixed up, where I'm like, I have this idea of what European is like, Victoria, for mm-hmm. example. Like I'm looking at something like that and going, right, that's what can be brought out and then i'm obviously looking at something that's a completely different 
genre at all. But I'm just not used to it, I guess. No, I get it. Cause I, I mean, if I know, I wonder if Yana told me it's like, this is like our version of Carry On. Would that have changed the way I look at this? Perhaps. Uh, and perhaps, but I don't know. I think it might be much easier to translate or accept a serious or yeah yeah more maybe language-based movie than than that very specific type of, of mm. yeah humor and and physicality mm. i've been that my flatmate talked about that film to told me about that remake a couple of days ago and i i still couldn't remember the original name then and i haven't checked because i forget things I move on, and then you bring it back. Yeah, but uh, not giving the title mm-hmm. just yet, but it was released uh, now eight years ago. <gasps> eight. So, so it's not like it's the same year or two years. Yeah, that's so the, uh, that that French original. But I, I feel like they started talking about an American version right away. Like, it oh, was yeah. so successful. They, so 2011 was this movie called Intouchable. Of course, intouchable. Yeah, and but I, I believe there is also this when it's well done, like we talked, uh, what we do in the shadows. There is no point in doing a French version, like with French actors, because how it was done with Alexandre Astier and the, the rest of the group was quite uh, interesting and nice. And we don't really do we remake stuff from? No, I don't think we do actually <laughs> at all. The other but, way around, you mean? Yeah, the other way around. But I know that the Americans, they maybe because are they lazy? They don't like to read or to have dubbing. I don't mm-hmm. know. Uh, but obviously, the, yeah. If if the story is there and they know that with um, named and big actors, they will get a massive return on investment. Obviously, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. of course, the business, sadly. And I mean, for for that movie specifically, Antouchable, which is about. Um, a man in a wheelchair and his carer. Uh, it's a story that's regarded. I mean, that their relation. We the story runs around their relationship and with a lot of humor. But I think it's a subject that's really interesting to to approach in a, in a movie today because I feel that it's one of the big fights that nobody's addressing. You know, accessibility to wheelchairs everywhere or to. For, for for kids in school with a disability, so I'm in a way I'm really happy that the Americans are making their own version of that movie that will probably sell a lot of tickets because that will educate a lot of people on that issue. It's just sad for the original movie itself. I, I think mm-hmm. it's like they the, the people forget that there was an original, yeah, which should also be pushed into the media rather than it being like, oh, this is a new film. Mm-hmm. And then people say, oh, yeah, I really like that film. And it's like, but there was an original, like, you can't forget where things come from because then you start thinking that those directors and and cinematographers, et cetera, are the people that started this whole thing. Whereas there's a whole inspiration thing or even not even an original idea that they took from someone else. Especially when it's taken from another culture, Mm -mm. it kind of becomes a bit more slightly political and a bit... (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely. Would would it would it give would it take away some sort of value to say I don't know it's a really open question I don't know what I would do in that situation but would it take away some credit or value to say this is my version of this that already exists like if if as a producer or an actor if you were putting on a show 
saying this is my version of someone else's show this is the the show i'm i'm using as my major inspiration would that would that to your audience mean that you don't have original ideas or would it mean anything wrong probably not no no i don't think i don't think that takes away from anything i think it's quite brave to take something that's already been done well look at remixes and music yeah, like, or like yes. remixes are not looked down upon I mean, there's a whole culture now because, of course, DJing became such a huge thing. Mm. So it became a like music became about remixing, right? Mm. In that style, yes. It yeah. depends if the people redoing it well more than actually having stars to actually know what they're doing. I said in what we do in the shadows, I'm not hopeful for the US version of um, as a TV series, but it's the Jermaine Clement and Taika Waititi actually, I realize, are also helming this. So I'm a bit more hopeful now, but um, mm. I don't know. By the way, this episode is released. This should, uh, we should have a, a, a view on the that series. Um, a question for the non French people in the room right now. Uh, did you guys ever hear about the Academie Francaise before? Um, yes, but not. But I'd heard of it in terms of a name, but not what it really means. Okay, so to try to find out if you have the same kind of thing. So I talked about the Pleiad collection before, which is a kind of legendary collection from Gallimard, where all the authors, they tried to get their books while they were still alive, and it only happened four times. Um, there is also the Academy, the French Academy, which is, um, there are 40 immortal people there. Well, that's how they're called, uh, because they're actually like revolving. They're not really uh, islanders, Conor <laughs> uh, McLeod uh, kind of people. No. Mm. And the main thing that they're doing right now, they're responsible. Um, I was, for many years, for using their dictionary. It was a bit obtuse, like, nope, that's where it doesn't exist, just shut. The f but now I'm a bit more opened, uh, because I'm not an asshole anymore. Um <laughs> The so the I think the, the we, that's the ninth edition of the French Academy Dictionary we are we are in now. It takes them more around twenty or forty years to because they have like uh, weekly reunions and they focus on one word and it takes ages basically. Uh, mm. Is the language shaped by some old white dudes in your uh, country also? Even though there were some female, quite a lot of them actually. But well, maybe you've got the. The Oxford English, like those those dictionaries, they are they there are words that are added in there, like the word selfie is in there. Is <laughs> like mm. there is there, there is adaptations to that, but I don't know enough about that to know if it's like a committee. I imagine it is. You, you because you, you we can see in this film when they are at the, the, the there is like people looking like it was like in the times of Louis sixteen or with the uh, perukes and the weird wigs and stuff. Uh, that, I'm pretty sure that's how it still is today. <laughs> yeah, that 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 scene made me so weirdly uncomfortable because I knew it was coming. I mean, I have seen this movie many times, but uh, I was still so uncomfortable. The the wording is something like, "We we are honoring this man for his contribution in preserving French culture or something and French gastronomy," and uh, and it made me so yeah. It's it's such a, a bubble. That it's it's both what I love about French culture and hate. It's it takes itself extremely seriously. Um, it hits its standards and 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 its past, and it's it's quite hard to shift anything in French culture without 
having people walking in the streets quite literally um i i i mean politics is something completely different but in french like that's why i I didn't want to work in france for the most part and why i moved to glasgow instead because the french film industry for example is still making films like they're in the 80s instead of moving on with the, the 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 way they do it on set what they talk about how they talk about it how they write it and and that scene is, I'm pretty sure, quite yeah, quite accurate about how the French high class sees its culture still today. Mm, but preservation rather yeah. than progression, exactly. Because um, I I read that um, people are really angry about the um, the Louvre pyramid because it's like modern, yeah. And I think that that definitely kind of it connects to your point absolutely um because it's so beautiful so it's like how could you be angry at that but yeah it's changed like i'm pretty sure the sydney opera was like what's this thing disfiguring our our city Mm -hmm. and every time but yeah there's still some huge resentment about uh, yeah the pyramid and it has nothing to do with the fact that the guy was japanese it's just uh, no no (laughs) in the place it's funny i mean it's funny it's not funny but people get equally angry towards um you know painting on the arc de triomphe during the manifestations in france recently people got extremely angry because there had been some writing on that beautiful monument during one march and they had not been that angry about nine people who were dead by that point and you know in the two months of, of um, yeah so it's weird it's a weird pride um that that I guess gives a standard, but but holds a lot of um, progress back. It's, mm-hmm. it's strange. We we talked. Um, Anouk did some panto last year. I did, and we were wondering always in trying to understand those differences between French and um, British culture. We don't have panto at all, or at least not in that same way. But realized uh, looking at this, I realized and uh, actually went to kind of a boot camp uh, circus a lot. I don't know if, if the circus scene is in any way prominent or do you have any circus kind of stuff in the UK? Not anymore. Not anymore. It used to be huge, but I think people, um, it, it's like zoos. Uh, people think of it as cruel and um, almost like the, there's this, uh, the whole culture of um, circus people being ostracized because they're too different Mm-mm. and they are also very secretive and they don't want to be part of your community. So it's almost like um, like how travelers keep themselves separate. It's the same that like, circus people keep themselves separate. Yeah. And so that probably estranged everyone from it becoming like a mainstream thing. They're starting to remove animals from all our uh, circuses. Actually. Well, the only circus you get in Britain that anyone would go and see is Cirque du Soleil, which isn't British. Isn't mm-hmm. so, which is exactly, you see, yeah. you, There you go. That's for the extent of the circus. And, um, Not that much a circus, actually. <laughs> no, no, more exactly. a performance, yeah. Um, so, But I, I think that's why people find circuses... Um, it's like a connection between animal cruelty as well. Yeah. So people, it, it stopped becoming like this huge thing. I mean, it, it could go back to a lot. I mean, you know, physical performances from humans and people who choose to be here. But and that that would be fine like, um, for me personally, for example. But I think 
even to the performers there probably the work conditions are not brilliant either mm-hmm. so it's always a hard line to to toe we got anything else about the movie i actually have a few additional things to say um there there was it's not been done that much on film uh, definitely in cartoon with asterix but the 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 when the um the truck is getting out of the Tricatel factory via the wall, which happens a lot in Asterix when Obelix is they are escaping from the prison cells. Yeah, I, I love this type of. I, this is such a f- um, violent. I mean, set-wise, I assume movie because things keep on bumping, bumping into each other, people falling, people falling from things on things towards things. I, I I was very mindful of, of of seeing that old older actor who had just suffered two strokes on that set, where things keep falling. I, I, I it must have been a very stressful shoot, I assume, for them. <laughs> there is a TV show at um, which is part of the plot at some point. Tous les coups sont permis, which was translated as "No holds bars," barred, I think, in the subtitles. This show is presented by a gentleman called Philippe Bouvard, who is another legend, but not of stage or screen, but radio. And one of the great, re- one of one of tiny regrets in my life is, I know, because my he used to do daily, so that's daily a show called Les Grosses Têtes. So he would invite um, seven people like uh, artists and others friends and one um, guest and they would get questions from the audience and answer them in, in a funny and creative way kind of stuff and you could win money if your question was picked uh, my regret is my my dad is a fan of him the guy is still alive he's like 80 something but he was ousted he was ousted a long time ago well f- four years ago and his uh, nemesis replaced him which is uh, quite annoying and for a guy his age, it was, I think, like 70-something at the time, I went to attend two, um, two recording sessions. So it's basically the show is one hour and a half, uh, not included the ads when it's played on the radio. But the, the, he's doing two shows in a two recordings in a row, so that's three hours. Mm-hmm. And the guy, there are no pickups, there, there's no, the, everything is done like if it was a conversation. I was like, wow, that guy is almost 80, he's doing every day three hours in a row with like a five minute break between two shows. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's, uh, that's impressive. And uh, wow. now it's been replaced by his nemesis, as I just explained, though I, I can't, um, invite my my father to to attend to one of those, which is quite sad. That's yeah. that's that's done. Yeah, um, but um, yeah. Another thing I had. I do yeah. think that. Sorry. Yeah, uh, I do think that the way that they showed assembly line uh, food process. Uh, stuff was really good Mm -hmm. i think it's probably one of the best ways of showing factory farming slash uh mcdonald's style making of food interestingly talking about cultural differences there is a point about how this film is um talking about the differences between american food and french food and how 
um, French haute cuisine is kind of losing its um, status in the world because of canned goods and uh, McDonald's, etc. Chain restaurants are seen as fine dining now rather than it being about fine dining being fine dining um and it's very different from being chain and so i think that's a really interesting point because i think we we are dealing with that especially now because every single high street the only people that can afford the rent are chain restaurants and everyone else is being like bought up or they are only there for a few months and then they uh, they have to leave because they can't afford it Mm-mm. and so it just shows this whole uh assembly line way of making food is like taken over the world literally if you look at how uh, chicken mcnuggets are done that's pretty much how yeah. it is the, done. It, i thought it was so per- and also the spray painting the fish and the chicken i thought it was absolutely it was just done really well and and that's in 1976 that's my biggest problem is like this is still incredibly relevant yeah, yeah. Uh, to how we make food today and, and that's that's scary you know mm-hmm. even more relevant yeah scary yeah so i am pleased to inform you that we are bringing back the oh i didn't can that section now <laughs> oh, I didn't can that. yeah french edition <laughs> Uh, so what do you think guys because I saw you uh, have a weird look when we were watching it and especially with the subtitles it does not mean take out what do you think prêt à manger means um, quick eating no mm, the, the subtitles were, were saying take out but I think yeah. it's a play on words with the fact in fashion we have prêt à porter mm-hmm. uh, it's probably why they took also that name for the chain here uh, uh-huh. The restaurant chain, but it's like uh, ready to eat. Yeah, pretty ready much. to eat. I would say that. Yeah. Oh, ready to eat. Ready I to see. Eat. I didn't can that. And now you can that. It's a great segment. <laughs> um, do you have an? Uh, because I only only get get this word, but do you have some uh, words to propose in the pool of uh, I didn't can that uh, episode yeah. thing. Yeah. Okay, wow, well, okay. Uh, brain. Um, are we staying in food? Are we not Anything. staying in food? And salts. We've talked about enculé quite a few times. Oh, so. that's such a good word. <laughs> such, no, I, one of my favorite words that I, I used when I, I arrived here, because it means something completely different in French, is poof. Uh, in French, it's not offensive, not as offensive as it is here. Uh, how would you translate poufies? In poufies. How would you translate that to English? Because I need to find a word that I can use that is not the level of what poof is in English. It's just some, it's a girl, I don't know, she's annoying. <laughs> we don't like her too much, but we don't mind her really. And she's very superficial, but then again, sometimes you'll have a laugh. In poof, yes. Huh, that's funny. Yeah, because of course, so a footstool is a, is a poof mm-hmm. and a, a derogatory way of calling a homosexual is a poof. And how do you spell it? Is it you? Is it the p double o f? Yeah. Okay. And then I think a poof is p o u f f e. Okay. We have a poof with double f e. Uh, that is some kind. It's um. A, a, Not a footstool, but a. It's weird a chair, round. you know, like the, the the chairs, the bin bin. No, the uh, little balls. In the chair. Styrofoam bowl. How is it called? Oh, like a, a 
Beanbag? Yeah, kind is of. That, is that like how it's called? Yeah, the ones you sit on and they kind of swallow you. Yeah, and, beanbag. And you can bag. never get back up again. Oh, is that what that is? That's 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 what that is. Oh. And, yeah. and all all versions of those things, you know, tiny chairs with no backs would be a poof. It's funny. Ah. In this film, there's a bit where he, they go down the stairs when he's pretending to be the American tourist uh, that says privy. And a privy is also a toilet. Oh, here. In, okay. Yeah, but in old. English. In a really old sense. That's yeah. funny. The privy. Yeah. Um, velo. What? What's a velo? A bike. A bike. Nice. <laughs> a velodrome. <laughs> GCSE French. <laughs> I mean, there's a big, massive bike over there. Yeah. I mean, I, like, I know what velo is. Same. I did also do French, but I didn't do very well in it. So. Yeah, French GCSE at least. What mm. do you do on the weekend? I. Uh, Ev- yeah. Velo. Evic. With. Evic. Evic. Oh no, that's Avec. I don't know. Evic. L'évêque de Digne qui accueille Jean Valjean. Come again? The, Bless you. Uh, <laughs> the um, bienvenue Myriel who welcomes Jean Valjean with the oh. the candlesticks. It's oh. that order it, of things. Yeah, it's yeah because in in the book it doesn't happen. It happens in the book that is the oh I thought you were just a priest which, and he's oh no no I, well not him because the guy is so humble and stuff but the the gendarme does they're like oh no he's not a priest he's the bishop bishop that's one that's entirely different. <laughs> oh, it's also the um, android in aliens, but that's totally unrelated. <laughs> I think. Actually, we can, uh, yeah, are we good on uh, that? I think we are. I think you've you've taught, taught me some new facts, Ken. Okay. Um, I think we'll go into fringe stuff and plugging, if there is any, after the rating. Uh, so we rate movies on good, bad, or just plain standard. Just plain standard, like, I didn't even try. It's terrible. Um, <laughs> okay. Shouldn't, shouldn't exist. We know what you think. No, but you'll be surprised. <laughs> uh, so, with that in mind, was this film good, bad, or just plain standard? Starting with our guest. Wait one second. We also have The Vault, and we have Legendary and Masterpiece, and a few of those, which is defined in a something I wanted to print for you, but I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I do. You have something that that um, correspond. What do, would correspond to? To me, it's a good film, but if anything, it's cult it's 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 deeply anchored in my personal culture that's a vault then probably vault. that's that's a personal movie to mm-hmm. you then yeah okay. i would say that cool uh jan well actually i put that in my guilty pleasure <laughs> because <laughs> which we haven't talked about yet as a category but because i can't really recommend it to <laughs> to anyone <laughs> and actually watching it uh, twice in two weeks, I was like, "Yeah, that's a bit too much." Watching it twice, so um, guilty pleasure. When you watch it too close together, you get a bit dis- like mm-hmm. it gives you a t- like, "Yeah, no, that's a bit too much." You've eaten too much, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Eric, I'm gonna say enjoyable. That's not a category. <laughs> so I'm gonna say good in with a f- with like a flair of enjoyable, but problematic. <laughs> 
the plot was problematic for me but the if i see it as a, as different sketches it was awesome <laughs> um problematic in the like grammatical sense not in the uh, uh, p word kind of sense <laughs> oh this is problematic yeah 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 with, just, with problems with problems yeah um i had to debate with myself if this is the worst thing i've watched for this this <laughs> this uh, this podcast abysmal and, you said i think well when i watched i when i was having that debate i'm like is this worse than ghostbusters 2016 oh my god to me that that isn't a film that's a product you know so in my eyes the 2016's ghostbusters is not a movie so that kind of makes the decision easier this is the worst thing i've seen um but having said that i feel that i've been unfair because i didn't know it was a carry-on style movie if I had had that prior knowledge, would that affect the way I look at this film? Probably. I wouldn't hate it as much. I think you came in. I think I came in annoyed because we weren't watching 400 400 plus. Instead, I got this, whatever the hell this film is. I, I feel, I will take that. I will take that I gave you the worst film you've ever seen. And I'm pretty sure it's not the first film you've seen in your life. So I'm quite I don't, proud. I don't that. actually think this is the worst film I've ever seen. I think for the episodes we've done on the podcast, this is pretty bad. <laughs> Um, worse than like Saw 7 worse than Saw 7 oh that's a question um, come on no because well yeah maybe no. because Saw 7 and that are bad and they're terrible and as we said we couldn't rate we said in that series you can't rate 5, 7 and yeah 5, 7 and 4 without the rest of the series they're unwatchable this isn't unwatchable but it is bad okay um at least it's not unwatchable this is bad but maybe if you what come into this with the eyes of its carry on it might might be good but i can i can't i can't recommend this I I I will never watch this film again. Yeah, I didn't good do do a good job in selling it to you. Um, yeah. I if I if I I would take this back if I bought this. Blockbuster. Blockbuster. <laughs> Blockbuster this Did would you? take it back. <laughs> um I can't decide whether it's bad or unreadable. Um, because I don't think I watched it with the right mindset. I don't think I was fair. Um Oh dear. So I'm in between that. Okay. You know what? But you'll never see it again, so we'll never know. I mean, never see it. This never. is bad. Nah, this is a bad movie. This <laughs> oh. is bad. This is a bad one for me. Mm. And also there's the Shame. factor that obviously you won't get everything. No, of course. That's, because yeah. it's not in your language. Yeah. That doesn't help. It doesn't first. help, no. But Like I was biased mm-hmm. against Nosferatu. I tried to watch it a few times before I actually watched it for the episode. Mm. That's yeah. true. And yeah. But. Yes, that's a, that's a tough film as well because that's like again a cult. I just feel there's too many, too many flaws to be unrateable because it unrateable. It's not a movie. It's just abysmal. This is a movie, but there's so many bits that are just not a movie. It's just bad. Sorry. All right. Sorry. Okay. Okay. We were Adam, Anouk, Jan, and Cecile. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.